1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. We are presented by The Grid. I am Bryson Carver, as always, and do we have a packed show for you guys out there. Matter of fact, I think Pack is is selling it short. We've got a loaded show for you guys tonight. Uh, Week 18, the NFL. This is it. All right, the playoff seeding, the regular season standings for you bad teams out there, uh, hoping for draft positioning, probably hoping your team loses. That is, unless you're the Denver Broncos, of course. You traded all your first round picks to get Russell Wilson. But as for everybody else, uh, you at least have some hope for the future in terms of whether or not your team wins or loses uh, this week. But I'm not going to focus on draft picks and stuff. This is this th- th- this is the playoffs. Okay, I'm gonna predict. Uh, who wins every game? Obviously this week, talking about the two games tomorrow, the double header and then the fourth team he got on Sunday. Seeding, who clinches? who doesn't? Who gets the one seed who doesn't One seed still has been decided in the AFC or the NFC. Uh, certainly there's teams in control of their own destiny in that regard, but still, a lot to be decided this week in the NFL. I'll discuss Lamar Jackson's situation. I'm totally pro Lamar in this in this instance. I don't I don't think there's any question that you know he's 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 playing his cards right. Uh, What else we got? Why the NBA has had a big scoring tick in the last few games in terms of players going off for 50, 60. Heck, one guy went for 70, Donovan Mitchell, 71 to be exact. I'll discuss that. Tom Brady, Vegas Raiders rumors. I don't think it makes any sense if he were to go to uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Then again, it didn't make a whole lot of sense initially, him going to Tampa, or maybe it did when you think about it. I'll discuss that later in the show. But first, uh, I don't think, uh, listen... We spent the show yesterday talking about DeMar Hamlin. Had uh, Ryan Flowers on the show, talked about you know, sort of the the situation, the aftermath and whatnot. But uh, we've got, we this morning, we got the best news on DeMar Hamlin that we've gotten the whole time. So this came out, it was initially from the Bills. I'm reading this tweet from Sham Sharani, who's an NBA reporter, but he's been covering the situation as well for The Athletic. The breathing tube is out of DeMar Hamlin as of this morning, and he has begun talking to Buffalo Bills teammates again. Hamlin has had a breathing tube in his body through his throat since Monday night, but no longer needs it and can breathe fully on his own. Folks, considering what happened on Monday night, and we're scared for this man's life, heck, he, you know, his heart stopped on the field for it to be, if you're going hour by hour, less than four days later, for him to be. Totally alert to not need a breathing tube. Uh, reportedly, he spoke to the team this morning. I don't know if he was via FaceTime, via Zoom, whatnot. But uh, he he spoke to the Buffalo Bills. There was a quote attributed to him saying, "I love you, boys." Uh, he 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 flexed uh, when when he first came on there. He um, apparently, reportedly, he gave the the heart sign, the "I love you" sign to his Bills teammates. Uh, it it has been, man. It, it I don't think I'm speaking too early when I say this. It looks like he's gonna pull through. And it is a it's a beautiful thing to see with him, his teammates. You saw you can tell the mood of the organization when you saw Sean McDermott. I don't know if anybody saw his press conference earlier today. I mean, just grinning from ear to ear. And that 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 tells you, considering where we're at Monday night, when the, just the looks of concern and 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 horror on everybody's face in that field in Cincinnati that Monday night, to now have Sean McDermott. The head coach of the Bills, grinning from ear to ear, tells you everything you need to know about Demar Hamlin's condition. So we're continuing to pray for Demar. We know he's he's fighting uh, his butt off right now, and you know certainly praying and hoping for the continued best for a guy who has you know showed us a lot about his fight. And, and we've got to learn about him, obviously, as I talked about in the show yesterday, uh, who he is as a human being. So, amazing news for DeMar Hamlin. Uh, great way to start the show off today. And I, I just wanted to give that update because he is doing better. He's doing significantly better than he has. He's gotten better every single day, which is awesome to hear. So, uh, man, hats off to DeMar Hamlin because this is truly beautiful to watch, how he's fought and how he's healed so quickly. Now, shifting to a football story, or on-the-field story, I guess. Is Lamar Jackson. So Ravens head coach John Harbaugh has already ruled Lamar Jackson out for Monday, or for, I'm sorry, for Sunday's matchup uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals, in which the Ravens can, weirdly enough, kind of get the NFC, I'm sorry, the AFC North title. I didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, I didn't put it in my graphics for the playoff predictions uh, or playoff scenarios because I didn't think it was there was any point in putting it in because it's, it's, kind, it's kind of weird given the, these sort of uh, things the NFL's implemented in the AFC in terms of there could be a neutral site AFC title game. We'll get into this more later in the playoffs uh, if it comes up. I'm sure it will. But essentially, excuse me, the Ravens can win the NFC North if they beat the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, and then something that's unprecedented if they win a coin flip. That is essentially what the NFL said. If you beat the Cincinnati Bengals, because essentially if the Bengals had lost on Monday night, then the Ravens would have still been alive for the, NFC, the AFC North, to which all Baltimore had would had to do is beat Cincinnati and they get a home playoff game. Of course, the game was was declared no contest, and so the Ravens obviously beat, if they had a chance to beat the Bengals, win a coin toss, then they win the, the AFC North. But Ravens head coach John Harbaugh has already ruled Lamar Jackson out for this game. So Lamar has missed the last five games or so for the Ravens. With him, they averaged 28 points. Without him, they've struggled to break 20. They've averaged 18 points a game. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, since he became the Baltimore Ravens starter in the 2018 season, they are 45 and 16. Without him, they're 8 and 12. I keep saying it. And this is what's happening with Lamar Jackson is a, the exact same thing to almost to a T that happened with my man Dak Prescott back in 2020. Dak suffers. Now that was a season ending injury. Lamar, I'm not doubting he's hurt, but it's not a season ending injury because just a few weeks ago, John Harbaugh was talking about, you know, he's day-to-day and whatnot. Like I said earlier this week, and I was talking about the Ravens loss to the Steelers on Monday's show. If I am Lamar Jackson, I am not suiting up for a game the rest of the season. Ain't no way. For two reasons. One, I could play this game against the Bengals, who, by the way, have a great and physical defense, and I could go down with an injury, which would be my second in the last month and would badly hurt my leverage in contract negotiations this coming March going on from there to July when the franchise tag deadline is. I don't want to do that. On the other hand, if you look at Lamar Jackson... If I play, we're, Ravens are already in the playoffs. They are locked. They are going to the playoffs. If we play the Jags or the Bengals possibly again, and I show up and I don't play well, and I don't play well, it could have everything everything to do with my injury. The Ravens are going to care about that. NFL World is not going to be looking at that as, as some sort of excuse for Lamar Jackson. They're going to say you didn't play well. You're now 1-3 and three in the postseason. That's not going to help in contract negotiations, is it? Same thing with Dak. Dak Davis didn't, like, hold out or anything. It was a season-ending, uh, possibly career-threatening ankle injury at the time, right? But he goes down. The Cowboys offense sputters from there. After averaging well over 30 points a game with Dak. And so Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, I'm sure Mike McCarthy had some input. They all came to the table like, yeah, we, we kind of need number four. We kind of need Dak to be healthy in order to be even relevant, much less a Super Bowl contender. So they gave Dak what he wanted. $40 million a year, a four-year deal, all that guaranteed money, signing bonus, all the whole nine. Dak got everything he wanted because he had all the leverage. Now Lamar Jackson is all the leverage. Because he's showing you, last season and this season, how the the Ravens look without me. Tyler Huntley is a solid backup. How does he look without me? I'm averaging almost 30 points a game. This offense is averaging almost 30 points a game with Mark Andrews, who's a phenomenal tight end, but with practice squad guys at wide receiver. I look around the rest of the NFC, or the AFC. Wait, Joe Burrow. Wait, Burrow gets Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and a nice security blanket at tight end, Hayden Hurst, and he gets Joe Mixon. Uh, You look at uh, Patrick Mahomes. Wait. Wait. He gets Travis Kelsey, but he also gets some speedsters like Miko Hardman. Uh, you give him a, a big play threat in Juju Smith-Schuster, and you give Mandy Reed. You look at teams like the Buffalo Bills. Wait, Josh Allen is making over $40 million a year, but he still gets Stefan Diggs. He still gets Gabe Davis and Dawson Knox. You give me Devin Duvernay? Really? I mean, at least the Cowboys. And I bash the Cowboys a lot in the show. For as mediocre to bad of a receiving core as they have, they at least got CD Lamb. At least got CD. T.Y. Hilton's old. Michael Gallup can't separate or catch. Noah Brown can't do the same. And Dalton Schultz is an average tight end at best. But at least they have CD Lamb. Lamar Jackson's got none of that. And yet he's won a league MVP. He's won a playoff game. He's put you in position last year, to make the playoffs before he went down, and then you sputtered, went winless the rest of the season, went 0 5 without him. This year without him, you what what are they 2 2 and 4 2 and 3 something like that a bad a bad football team without Lamar Jackson they struggled just to get into the teens i will go through once again the baltimore ravens scoring totals with lamar jackson since he went down with injury against uh, the denver broncos so in that game against the broncos which lamar jackson went down early in, the baltimore ravens scored 10 points and then against the steelers they scored 16 points against the browns They kicked a field goal, and that was all she wrote. They scored 17 points against a bad Falcons defense, and they scored 13 points against the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Meanwhile, with Lamar Jackson, against a great Jets defense, they scored 24. Against the Dolphins, they scored 38. Against a very good Patriots defense, they scored 37. Against the Bills, 20. Against the Bengals, 19. Little clunkers in there. Giants have a good defense. They at least got to 20, 23 against the Browns, 27 against a good Bucks defense, 27 against a very good uh, Saints defense, a little clunker in there, 13 against the Panthers, 27 on Jacksonville. Now, I don't know what more you need to see. Man's won like 70% of his games. Every year that he is healthy, you get to the postseason. He's won a couple division titles. He's won the second unanimous MVP in the history of the NFL to Tom Brady. He is the most dynamic player in the NFL with his arm and his legs. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks throwing from the pocket. Don't believe me? Check the next-gen stats. They'll tell you the story for me. This is an elite quarterback, and this is a quarterback who is a blank-check guy. You are nothing, as well-run as the Ravens are, they are nothing without Lamar Jackson. They cannot compete for a Super Bowl title without Lamar Jackson. I guarantee you John Harbaugh is realizing that right now. Steve Bashotti, the owner, guarantee he's realizing that right now. So, Lamar being out, they face a great Bengals defense. They could face the Bengals again next week in the playoffs. And if he gets smoked twice by Joe Burrow, okay? And by the way, you know what it would look like? Okay, with... Lamar Jackson, the Ravens beat the Bengals back in Week 5. Without him, they will have probably lost in Week 18 and lost in the playoffs, back-to-back weeks. With a great defense. With a very good coach. I've always liked John Harbaugh. With a good tight end to Mark Andrews, good running back in J.K. Dobbins. Here's the problem. No Lamar and no weapons. I mean, folks, the Ravens, the only reason the Ravens receiving core is better than the Patriots is because they have Mark Andrews. That's it. But if you're talking strictly wide receivers, are we sure New England's isn't better? And New England has a bad receiving core. I'm not sure it's as bad as Baltimore. I mean, Devin DuVernay, we're talking about, oh, you got to watch over Devin DuVernay, who's a kick returner, and is their number one receiver with Lamar Jackson. Without him, Devin Devin DuVernay has been virtually ineffective. So, Lamar's got all the leverage. Why in God's name would he give that up? Because when you have leverage, you want to cling as tightly as you can to that. The Ravens finished this season getting blown up by Cincinnati twice. It'd be a very good look for a team that we all believe to be. I certainly do. It's a well-run franchise. That's why I'm so surprised that they didn't pay Lamar when they did. By the way, if they franchise tag him next year, They're going to have to pay him even more the following year in 2024. Just get the deal done. When the season's over, you see how terrible you are last year without Lamar, this year without Lamar. Give him his money. He's earned it. No question about it. Uh, Patrick Brown says Lamar is looking at what's transpired in contract talks to Sean Watson's fully guaranteed contract. Change the dynamic future deals for any player. And that is asking for a fully guaranteed contract, of which the only guy to ever get that is Deshaun Watson. But if I'm sitting there for Lamar, I'm looking at him and saying, "Time out. Deshaun Watson, in his best season of his career, was 2020. The Texans went 4-12. and 12. So as great as he was, are we sure all of the stats were that conducive to winning? I know the Texans are a bad franchise, but the quarterback playing at the level Deshaun Watson was... They should have been better than four and twelve. Lamar's like, timeout. Every year I'm healthy. We get to the playoffs. I've won a playoff game on the road, mind you. Won an MVP. I mean, what more do you want me to do? I've won 70% of my games, and you're terrible without me. Patrick Brown says what could have been 50 million a year annually annually will cost Baltimore 60 to 65 million dollars per year. Advantage, Lamar. Totally agree with you, Patrick. It's Ravens are really screwing this up. Really screwing this up. And Go and right the wrongs. As soon as free agency opens, get this deal done. Don't tag him. Don't don't drag this out another year. Get the deal done. If not, Lamar may just go ahead and bolt to Miami or somewhere. Now, that would be dangerous. You can put Lamar Jackson with Tyreek Hill, Waddle Gasecki, Cedric Wilson, that uh, Sherfield guy uh, they they got in the slots, Uh, a good offensive line. They've got a good running game, which could, you know, obviously help with Lamar's ability to run the football as well. That'd be a great fit, especially with Mike McDaniel. I'd love to see that uh, materialize. But just get the deal done, Baltimore. Uh, Moving on to the NBA. Because, man, we have had some uh, massive scoring outputs in the National Basketball Association the past week, two weeks. So you had Luka Doncic. (laughs) <laughs> dropping 60-21-10, and 10, which has never been done before. You've got Giannis Antetokounmpo the other night, dropping 55, which is his career high. You have my man, and he is back, Clay Thompson, dropping 54. And you just had Donovan Mitchell, the most impressive of all, dropping 71. Not to mention Kevin Durant is having one of the most efficient seasons in the history of basketball when you talk about scoring output along with efficiency. Not to mention before Steph Curry got hurt, he's averaging 30 points a game. Jason Tatum's averaging 30. And so, sort of the question around the NBA is right now, what's with all the scoring output? Well, Why why are guys just seemingly uh, out of nowhere just going off? Well, Could it be, dare I say, as simple as there's more talent in the league now than there's ever been before? Could it be that the game is more global and international than it's ever been? I mean, folks, if Luka Doncic wins this year's MVP, and he's certainly got a very good chance to do so, he was my preseason pick to do so. That will have meant the last five NBA MVPs were non-American-born players. Giannis twice, don't make me sick, Jokic twice, and Luca. By the way, Giannis could win it again, so that that still make it five straight. Has it been LeBron? Has it been KD or Steph? No, it's it's, it's been the foreign-born players. Not to mention the spacing of the game, the three-point shot emphasis has changed everything. The up tempo in the NBA. I mean, guys don't use the majority of the shot clock anymore. If you watch these games, they're getting you know quick shots up and down the floor. The athletes in the game are better now than they've ever been, and that's you know it, it's it's for that reason because of tired legs, it's hurt the defense, but it's also been an advantage to the great offensive players like Luca, or I mean, heck, LeBron James. Yeah, he's averaging like almost forty in the last ten games at thirty-eight years old. Could it be, dare I say, that the players are just better now than they've ever been? I don't know. Why weren't they doing it, you know, 10, 15 years ago? Yeah, the rules were a little different, but outside of Kobe, Braun, he had some solid scores at the end, Tracy McGrady 15 years ago. Outside of some of those guys, you didn't have guys that were legitimate threats to go off for 50 every night. You didn't have many. Not as many as you do now. I mean, you think about it around the NBA. The guys that, if they scored 50 tonight, we would not be surprised. Let's look down the list. If Jason Tatum did it, wouldn't be surprised. If Giannis did it. If Kevin Durant did it. If Kyrie Irving did it. Kyrie Irving's had some 50-point games in the past. If Donovan Mitchell did it, heck, he just scored 70. Okay, if Joel Embiid did it, all right, you got him. You got guys like uh, Trey Young is a threat to possibly go off for 50. Should he get hot? Uh, who else we got? Uh, Jokic could go off for 50. John Morant could go off for 50. Uh, who else? Luca obviously got went for 60 the other night. Talking about guys like uh Damian Lillard could go for 50, Steph could go for 50, Booker went for 75 years ago, so he could definitely go for 50. LeBron could go off for 50. Carl Anthony Towns can go for 50. I mean, we just keep going down the list of guys that if we had if they had a 50-point game tonight, oh yeah, it's we kind of we 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 could see that. Absolutely. So Again, some of it is the talent is just better. Guys are faster, longer, quicker. Uh, the emphasis on the three-point shot. The the, the, the uh, global talent that has come over to the United States to play in the NBA. Again, if Luka, Jokic, or Giannis, it better not be Jokic. But if any of those three win MVP this year, that will have been five consecutive seasons that the league MVP was a non-American-born player. Just goes to show you, the game is more popular worldwide than it's ever been. It has more talent in the league than there's ever been. I mean, Michael Jordan didn't have to go against, you know, a lot of great European players. Matter of fact, he probably had the best European player in his team in the second three-peat, Tony Kukoc. Like, Kukoc was looked at, oh, that's, that is the best European player. Co-coach was a good player by the way really solid score and a nice jump shot but not anything close to some of these guys we we're, we're, we're bringing to the NBA from Slovenia from in the case of Giannis Greece I mean Joel beat overseas i mean it's 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 remarkable and so I, I don't think it's as simple as oh, they just don't play defense the regular season I don't think that I don't think that's the issue uh i mean if, if that if, if that were the case you know why do we have defensive player of the year there's still great defensive players. There's still Draymond Green, my guy. I still think Paul George, although you couldn't tell last night. Holy moly! How about those Clippers? Goodness gracious! Down by forty in the first half. Anyways, Paul George is still, when he commits, an effective defensive player. There's plenty of guys. Length, uh, size, use it to your advantage. The athletes are better now. I, I don't think it's just a matter of all. Oh, they just don't play defense. I, I don't. I don't think it's it's quite that simple. Uh, When you really look at the situation in terms of the number of high scoring outputs that we had recently, by the way, guy, I forgot to mention who just scored 50 clay Thompson. Well, we talk about clay's ability to get hot, to, uh, to, to hit jumpers from anywhere on the floor, running off screens, you know, especially with Steph out. He's had to carry a bigger scoring uh, burden, you know, more talent in the league than there's ever been. It's great for basketball. Yeah. and, And you know, I didn't necessarily have us on tap for the show day, but sort of because I was having a discussion with somebody the other day. And I think it's a really important one about the popularity of the NBA in terms of because you saw the Christmas Day. a matter of fact, I have it. Uh, somebody sent me this the other day. Let me Let me pull it up because I think it's really interesting. The ratings, the Christmas Day ratings for the NFL compared to the NBA. Okay, so if you look at the NFL – Packers, Dolphins got almost 26 million people. Broncos, Rams, 22 and a half million people. Bucks, Cardinals, 17 million people. Okay, so the lowest rating was Bucks, Cardinals, 17 mil. The highest rating for the NBA was Bucks, Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks, Celtics at six million. And you look at other games: Sixers, Knicks, four million. Lakers, Mavs, four million. Grizzlies, Warriors, four million. Suns, Nuggets, two and a half million. I think, first of all, the NFL on Christmas Day, if the two schedules line up, the NFL is always, 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 always going to beat the NBA because they are the king of television. But I think also, there's not really a sense of urgency in the NBA regular season. There's not. There's 82 games, guys rest, uh, you know, a lot of stars don't play back-to-backs, and, you know, it's it's not... doesn't seem as important. I think what changed the regular season becoming virtually irrelevant. Yes, part of it was a few years ago with the Clippers resting Kawhi, Paul George is like, okay, regular season really does not matter. You know what I think changed it? The Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors have changed a lot of things. This one, I wish they hadn't changed. My Warriors in 2016 famously went 73-9 and did not win the championship. And a lot of the guys of the team... I heard Andre Godal, you see this book behind me, Andre Godal is the sixth man, uh, which is a great read, by the way. But he said in his book, he he believes they would have won the championship if they hadn't been as intent on pursuing the 73 wins. If they had just settled for 67 or 68 wins, then they would have been in better position to contend for a title. They would have been in better position to be more healthy, better rested to face a great Cleveland Cavaliers team, which ultimately got the best of them. I think when people saw that, like, why the heck should we care about the regular season? I mean, Houston had the best record in the league in 2018, and they lost to Golden State. The Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA in 2019, and they lost to Toronto in the conference finals. The Bucks had the best record again in 2020, and they lost in the second round against the Miami Heat. The, was it the Utah Jazz? Yeah, the Jazz had the the best record in the NBA in 2021 and they lost in the second round. And then last year the Phoenix Suns they won 65 games and lost in the second round. Did not even get to the Western Conference finals. So the lack of a sense of urgency in the regular season I think is played factor and something else too. And, and this one really bothers me. We do not have any rivalries in the NBA. I mean, the closest thing we have to what I would call like a genuine rivalry is Warriors Grizzlies. And I don't consider that a rivalry, folks. As a Warriors fan, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, timeout. My team's won four championships in the last eight years. Grizzlies never even been to a conference finals in that span. Like, Jaw's amazing. Jaw is is easily one of the top 10 players in the NBA. He is one of the most remarkable talents we've ever seen. Everybody else, Jaron Jackson's is, is excellent. Not sure you can win a championship with Jaron Jackson Jr. as your number two as your second-best player. Desmond Bain, good. There's no, no Draymond Green. You know, I mean, last year, both teams, it's funny, Memphis beats Golden State in 2021, sticks or chest out, but when both teams are fully healthy in 2022, Golden State wins and, you know, but we don't really have any rivalries in the NBA. We have plenty in the NFL that have carried over for decades. That's why I think college football, by the way, is so popular. You know, Alabama-Auburn, they're always going to play on the last week, the couple days after Thanksgiving in November. And there's a lot of animosity there. Ohio State-Michigan, there's a lot of animosity. So many other great rivalries, UCLA-USC. There's not really that many in the NBA. And so, and I have no problem with guys being friends off the court. No issue with that. I, I really don't. You know, especially somebody like um, two guys like LeBron and Steph who work out with a lot of younger players the offseason. Sure, show them the lay of the land. I have no issue with that. Michael Jordan would do that on occasion in the 90s when he was filming Space Jam. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But I do wish there was at least a little bit more animosity on the court. Off the court, I could care less if there is or not. I prefer there to be not, honestly. But on the court, I think it has hurt the NBA at, at least a little bit. No sense of urgency in the regular season and really no rivalries. I mean, I'm I'm looking up and down the standings right now. I, I don't see a rivalry. I really don't. You want to say Dallas-Phoenix? Okay, and there's some back and forth trash talk, but I don't think it's like a full-blown, like these two teams hate each other. I don't think it's one of those situations. But we'll see. Moving on now to, uh, excuse me, to Tom Brady. So, I don't think I'm going out in a limb. I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's probably not going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer in 2023. Or the, when the 2023 season rolls around. This is likely his last season in Tampa. Because we know last year, famously, as we ended up finding out, he didn't retire from football. He retired initially from Tampa, tried to get a deal worked out to where he could go to Miami with Sean Payton, and then the Brian Flores lawsuit fell, and it came came around, and and Tom was like, okay, I don't want to go to Miami. This is too big of a dumpster fire franchise. Which, by the way, I think the Dolphins is still an option, possibly. But there's a lot of reports around the NFL saying Vegas. Vegas is obviously going to be in the quarterback business. Now that they've obviously burned the bridge with Derek Carr, they're going to trade him, and then we'll see what the future is for them at quarterback. A lot of folks are suggesting Tom Brady to Vegas. I don't get it. I don't. And you say, well, Bryson, if you're worried about the organization and the lack of playoff success and dysfunction, well, Tom went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and won a Super Bowl his first year. Here's the difference, though, because I initially was not sold on Tampa. I was like, "Oh, Tampa's not gonna get Tom Brady. It's gonna be the Chargers or the, you know, the Dolphins." Like there, there were teams out there that made sense. The Titans. But here's what Tampa Bay had at that time: the Vegas does not have a head coach we trust. Bruce Arians. You know, I know him and Tom had you know some back and forth, some animosity. Bruce Arians is a tremendous offensive coach, as we're finding out a lot this year. Okay, I think the Bucs could sure use Bruce Arians this year. The Raiders have Josh McDaniels. And you say, well, the comrade between Brady and McDaniels. How's McDaniels in New England without Tom Brady? How'd that work out with Cam Newton and then with Mac Jones? It wasn't very good. Patriots, one of the most mediocre offenses in football. Not to mention that something that Tampa Bay had that these Vegas Raiders definitely do not is an elite defense. Forget a a good defense. An elite defense. They had Levante David. They had Jason Pierre-Paul. They had Devin White, who was amazing his rookie year. It was like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be a multi-time pro bowler. He's gonna be an all-pro. Devin White's phenomenal. Vegas Raiders, despite having Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, are in the bottom half of the NFL in sacks. Since Derek Carr has been in Las Vegas... The Raiders rank last in total defense and last in takeaways.
0: For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever.
1: Tampa Bay often, Tampa Bay's defense often kept their offense in games because of how good their defense was. The problem was Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions that year. There are a lot of pick sixes, and at some point there's only so much a, a defense can overcome. Not to mention... Okay, Tampa was in the same division as, at the time, Drew Brees, Sean Payton, the Saints. That's a tough challenge. They ended up obviously getting swept in the regular season by the Saints. But they had Carolina and Atlanta. You know, Atlanta ended up firing Dan Quinn that season as their head coach. Carolina had Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback and, more concerning, Matt Rule at head coach. Like, outside of the Saints, Tampa, with Tom, Tampa didn't have to worry about the, the Panthers or the Falcons. Tom goes to the AFC West. He's got to face four of his games. 25% of his schedule will be against Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. say, so, well, he's beaten Justin Herbert, which he did in 2020. He's beaten Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl. Beat him in an AFC championship game four years ago. Yeah, here's the difference. He'll be 46 And he will have no defense to back him up. He will not have a coach that will outscheme the other coach. Josh McDaniels, dang sure, isn't going to outscore, out uh, coach or outscheme Andy Reid. I just think the fit doesn't make sense. Miami, that makes all kinds of sense because it's very similar to Tampa in that got a lot of weapons. Now the defense in Miami isn't as good now as the Bucks were back then, but you got a, a good offensive coach, young, bright offensive coach. You got a running game. You got weapons. Obviously, got to worry about the Bills in that division. We understand that, but the Jets. If the Jets add Derek Carr and the Dolphins add Tom Brady, who do you think is going to win the AFCs, or at least come in second to the AFC in the AFCs to Buffalo? I'm rolling with Miami. Though those weapons, that offensive line, that running game, San Francisco probably makes the most sense. But man, if they go on a run with Brock Purdy, they may just go with Brock Purdy next year at quarterback. Now, if they don't, it brought pretty struggles in the postseason, then they'll certainly have discussions about adding Tom. But the Raiders, folks, does not make any... If the decision came down to staying in Tampa or going to Vegas, I'd say stay in Tampa. Hey, At least you got the continuity. You still have really good weapons. Like Tampa's issue is they need to rebuild the offensive line, and they have got to develop a running game. But the defense is still great, although they don't take the ball away as much as they used to. They don't give up a lot of points. They're good situationally we got great weapons in, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage. Stay in Tampa if, if you want to go to Vegas. By the way, it's the easier conference to get to the Super Bowl through. John Rivera. This is interesting. John Rivera says, LeBron, one-on-one exclusive interview tonight at 1030. Is, is this just in? Who's, who's he... Who's he doing it with? I got, okay, I gotta check this out. Let's see. Is there anything on LeBron? I don't is it like uh, are the Lakers playing tonight? Are they playing on ESPN or hmm? That that is one on one. Uh John John says on ESPN two. Okay, I I'm sorry to like stop the show for a second but I'm like checking I'm checking ESPN2's schedule right now to see like I, this is this is interesting is this this is like kind of like last last minute kind of let's see 10:30 where is it 10:30 okay on Sports Center I will be tuning in <laughs> because we got we got a lot of football this weekend then we got the national championship on Monday. I got something to watch tonight, it looks like I don't know if it's going to be like an uninterrupted type of deal. Um okay. There you go. Well, thank you John John for sending me this. Yeah. Yep, well there we go. I know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> I appreciate that John John for letting me know um patrick brown back to the tom brady topic let's see pull this comment up here we go uh patrick brown says tom brady to the raiders would be a disaster vegas's defense is worse than tampa it's an effort to rekindle josh mcdaniels and tom brady to make a deep playoff run what we've seen in josh mcdaniels is a fraud tom brady would be making a mistake going to an even more dysfunctional raiders organization 100 and by the way they were they were bad with Derek Carr. The most. I think he's a top 10 quarterback. Probably around nine or 10, but I think he's a top 10 quarterback. And I understand the weapons. You got Devontae and you got Hunter Renfro, you got Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. It's not without his perks. Beautiful stadium, by the way. Man, there's a way more drawbacks with Vegas than there is with an organization like Miami, Tennessee, San Francisco. More positives in those organizations, more correctable issues in those organizations than there is in Las Vegas. So, look, Tom's going to do, Tom is going to do what he believes is going to put him in the best position to win another Super Bowl. It, it, heck, it could be staying in Tampa. I don't think it is going to be. It, it, it feels like, again, he, he tried to leave Tampa last year, so I doubt he tries to, you know, give it another run this go around. It, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense considering how how, how last year ended. but. We'll see how it plays out. It is going to be really fascinating and really interesting. So, okay, I got to get a drink of Gatorade for this one. Ah. Week 18 of the NFL starts tomorrow. It has been a long season. 256 games have been played out of 272. It is, I mean, for me personally, it has flown by. I don't know about you, the watcher, the listener, but for me, this NFL season has been like that. So it comes down to this. The regular season concludes in the next 48 hours. we got a doubleheader tomorrow. We've got 14 games on Sunday. All kinds of seating to be determined uh, type situations all around the NFL. I've got 16 games to predict. But before I predict those games, I want to, we'll get the background music going right now. We got it. There we go. Background music.
0: Let's look around.
1: Let's look around the NFL at the playoff scenarios. So let's start in the AFC. We got it here, the playoff scenarios. Okay. So let's talk about teams that are fighting just to get in. So in the AFC, you've got six teams that have clinched their spot. Three teams are fighting for the seven seed. Three teams are fighting to get that last playoff spot to get into the postseason. The first one is the New England Patriots. Their, their path to the playoffs is quite simple. Win against the Buffalo Bills. They win against the Buffalo Bills, they're in. If they don't, that'll certainly be a devastating blow to their chances but they can still get in via a Dolphins loss and a Steelers loss and and, and a uh, and a Jaguars win. So the Patriots get in the playoffs if they beat the Bills or if the Dolphins, Steelers, and the Dolphins and Steelers lose and the Jags win. That's New England's playoff uh, scenario right there. The other team fighting for the seventh spot is their division rival, the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins need one thing to happen for them to get into the postseason. They've got to beat the New York Jets on Sunday. And they need to hope for a Patriots loss. If that happens, the Miami Dolphins are in the postseason for the first time since 2016. By the way, if the Patriots get in, it'll be their second straight year of getting to the postseason. The last team fighting for that last playoff spot in the AFC is the Pittsburgh Steelers. For them to get in the postseason, they need to beat the Cleveland Browns. Followed by a Patriots loss and a Dolphins loss. Okay, so that's for for, for the Steelers. They got to beat Cleveland and then hope for two losses by the Patriots and by the Dolphins. If that happens, then they are the last team in the postseason. A couple of uh, other teams to look at here in the AFC in terms of playoff uh, 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 playoff clinching scenarios. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in the playoffs. It, the simplest way is tomorrow they face the Tennessee Titans. If they win tomorrow against the Titans... Then they, or they tie against the Titans, by the way, they win the AFC South. They are in the playoffs and they get a home playoff game. But even if the Jags lose to Tennessee and Tennessee wins the division, it's not over for Jacksonville. They can still get in. They would need a Dolphins loss, a Patriots loss, and a Steelers loss. They need a lot of things to go their way, but they still could make the postseason. Simplest way, though, is either beat the Titans or, unlikely scenario, tie the Tennessee Titans, and they win the AFC South there in the postseason. As for the Titans, they have one chance to get in the playoffs, and that is beat Jacksonville. That's all they can do. If they beat Jacksonville, they're in. If they don't, they're done. Their season's over. Uh, Sticking, though, in the AFC, we've got two teams fighting for the number one seed, fighting for a first-round bye. The first one is the Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs beat the Raiders tomorrow, they are the one seed. If they don't, they still have a chance if the Bills lose to the Patriots. So the, the Chiefs have two avenues to get the the number one overall seed and therefore that highly coveted first-round buy in the postseason. Either beat the Raiders or hope for a Buffalo Bills loss. Uh, but it is in the Chiefs. They, the, the Chiefs do control their own destiny in this situation. As for the Bills, they do not. Their only, the Bills' only chance to get in the playoffs— or, sorry, their only chance to be the number one seed is to beat the Patriots— and hope for a Kansas City loss. They will know their fate. They will know whether or not they control their own destiny because the Chiefs play on Saturday and the Bills play on Sunday. It's as simple as that. In the NFC, we have a very, very similar situation. We've got three te- six teams are locked into the postseason. They are in. Three teams are fighting for that one last spot. The first one is the Green Bay Packers. It is as simple as this. If the Packers beat the Detroit Lions on Sunday Night Football, they are in the playoffs. If they do not, their season is over. The Packers' only avenue to get to the playoffs beat Detroit. But of the three teams, despite only having one scenario to get in, they still still are the only one of the three to control their own destiny. The Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks, can get in the postseason if they beat the Los Angeles Rams and they got to hope for a Packers loss. They beat the Rams Sunday afternoon. The Packers lose Sunday night. Then the Seahawks will be in the playoffs. As for the Detroit Lions, the last team fighting for that last NFC uh, wild card spot, they got to beat the Packers and hope for a Seahawks loss. Now, and the NFL is catching a lot of heat, a lot of criticism for the times at which they scheduled their Week 18 games by saying, "Like, hang on a minute." You're saying the Lions will know their fate going into the Packers game, where, you know, if the Seahawks win, the Lions will know their season is over. They cannot get in because the Seahawks play before the Lions. Now, flip side is if Detroit, I'm sorry, if the Seahawks lose, Detroit's like, hey, we win and we're in. That is as simple as that. Lions got to beat the Packers, hope for a Seahawks loss, and they will be in the postseason. Unlike the AFC where there is two teams, there are two teams fighting for the number 1 seed in the NFC. We've got three teams fighting for the number 1 seed. The first, the Philadelphia Eagles who by the way still have yet to clinch the NFC East. But the Eagles to clinch the number 1 seed, beat the New York Giants. Simple as that. If they don't, they still could be the number 1 seed if the Cowboys lose and the Niners lose. Okay, you got that. So if the Eagles want the number one seed. They got to beat the Giants. If they don't, they can hope for a Cowboys loss and a Niners loss to get in. If they want to clinch the NFC East, which is obviously huge, you do not want to get, you do not want to uh, go from first round bye to having to go to Tom Brady's house in a wild card game on the road. To clinch the NFC East, the Eagles have to beat the Giants, or the Cowboys have to lose to the Washington Commanders. Speaking of the Cowboys, they they can still win the NFC East, and they can still and probably get the number one seed. For them to get the number one seed, they have to beat the Washington Commanders and hope for an Eagles loss and a 49ers loss. To clinch the NFC East, they've got to beat the Commanders and hope for an Eagles loss. It's as simple as that. So the Cowboys could be the one seed, the two seed, or where they are right now, the five seed the 49ers could also get the number one seed in the NFC. If they beat the Cardinals and the Eagles lose to the Giants, then the 49ers with Brock Purdy will be the number one seed in the NFC. So, all kinds of scenarios uh, to, to look at in this situation regarding all these teams fighting for playoff positioning. And again, obviously, this is the third year of the NFL's new playoff format with teams fighting uh, to get that number one seed and get that lone first round buy. A lot of scenarios to look at. That's what makes it all the more exciting. So there you go. Stop the music for a moment before we get into predictions. We have a uh, looks like a comment here. <laughs> My man, Patrick Brown. Playing off of his podcast, by the way, it's going to be a chaotic finish to Week 18. Indeed, it will. Indeed, it will. By the way, for those those of you that do not get the uh, get Patrick's comment, his show is the Chaotic Sports Podcast, which is right here on the grid. So I invite you guys to go check that uh, check that show out. But uh, it is going to yes, it is going to be a very chaotic finish to Week 18 in the NFL season.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring laundry ooh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumba chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Free, by over 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details
1: so here we go the last Mass prediction show, if you will, because obviously I'm predicting the playoff games, but the segments won't be near as long as they are uh, in the regular season because you got double-digit games as opposed to the playoffs. Uh, the wild card is six, and uh, there's six games in the wild card round, four in the divisional, two in the conference championship games, and then obviously you got the Super Bowl at the end in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Glendale, Arizona. Patrick Brown, who's a Cowboys fan, says Cowboys play at 3:25 Central Time in America's Game of the Week on Fox. Absolutely, and the Cowboys again, if they win and the Eagles lose, the Cowboys are the NFC East champs. If the Cowboys win, the Eagles lose, and the Niners lose, improbably the Cowboys will have a first round buy out of the wild card round, which getting to avoid Tom Brady and possibly, possibly if he gets in, Aaron Rodgers. That'd be a massive plus for the Cowboys because both those guys, both those Hall of Fame number twelves, have been kind of boogeyman or boogeymen if you include both of them for the Cowboys. Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys, and I think Aaron Rodgers has only lost once to the Cowboys, which was 2016 against Dak and Zeke. So here we go. We got the postseason, uh, uh, you know, on, on tap. Let me get the, some some the more intense background music uh, on tap right here. Hang on. Uh, uh I'm trying to which one. the background music pulled up for uh for predictions because it's listen we we won we want, we want to add to the drama of what is going to be an amazing week eighteen okay looks like we got it set up right now so here we go week eighteen of the NFL season in two thousand and twenty two begins tomorrow afternoon in Las Vegas Nevada between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders, two AFC West foes, obviously all division games in week 18. The NFL did that about 10 years ago, only divisional games to close the regular season because of all the playoff situations that could come from that. Kansas City, big, big road favorite on the road of Vegas, minus nine. So, a fun fact uh, that I've, I think I've repeated a few times on the show Patrick Mahomes has never lost in the playoffs. I'm sorry, has never lost against an AFC East, AFC West team, rather, on the road, okay? He's never lost, he's never lost to Denver Broncos, period. His only loss to the Raiders came at home in Kansas City in 20, 20, and then his only two losses to the Chargers both came, crazy enough, at Arrowhead back-to-back years in 2020 and 2021. So Patrick Mahomes in his career has three division losses. None of them have come on the road. So you're going to Las Vegas. You're playing a Raiders team that offensively looked amazing. Crazy enough, without Derek Carr and against the best defense in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, who really had their first clunker of the season uh, that afternoon in Sin City. Jarrett Stidham played excellent, had a great QBR, had a pass rating well over 100. Devontae Adams made, felt like 15. Just highlight reel, blow your mind type catches uh, in, in that game, Josh Jacobs, this is his last, to, obviously the Raiders last game of the season. Cause they're out of the playoffs, Josh Jacobs for him. This is his last chance to prove to the Raiders. Hey, I am worth the money that I have been asking for. Give me a contract this off season. So a lot of Vegas Raiders, you know, you know, trying to prove themselves, put themselves a position to possibly land Tom Brady next season. And in this pretty disappointing year on a high note, as for Kansas city, they're looking at this and saying, okay, we've already wrapped up the AFC West. We win today in Vegas. We are the number one seed in the AFC. And the playoffs, once again, for the fifth consecutive year under Mahomes and Reed, will go through Arrowhead Stadium. I think this is going to be close you guys' think. I do not believe Kansas City is going to cover the nine-point spread. I think I think Patrick Mahomes has only won three times in his career when he is a over a touchdown favorite on the road. So... This Chiefs win, but they often win close in these type of situations. So, because of the familiarity between these two teams, two division foes, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game and a little bit of a high scoring affair, 34 to 26 over the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I don't think Jarrett Stidham has as impressive a performance as he did last week, but I do think he shows up and shows out tomorrow. And because of this, because of the Chiefs win, then they will clinch the number one seed in the AFC against the Las Vegas Raiders. Kansas City beats Las Vegas, and they go on to clinch the number one seed in the AFC and finish with a 14-3 record. It is t- time for my favorite segment every week. Would I have betting, man? If I were a betting man segment, by the way, that I've really struggled on, I'm looking at the second game. The Tennessee Titans go on the road to Jacksonville, Florida to play the Jaguars. This game decides the AFC South, and in all likelihood, I just read some Jaguars playoff scenarios. They can not still get in if they lose, but in all likelihood, this is basically a playoff game because if, if you know, winner this game, despite what has been for the Tennessee Titans, certainly an underwhelming season for the Jags, Getting hot at the end of the year, they will get a home playoff game next week against the best AFC wildcard team. Jacksonville in this game is favored tomorrow night, minus six and a half. I'm looking at this, folks. I love the Titans and the points. Here's why. First of all, everybody last week, and it really hurt my feelings as a Tennessee fan. It really did. All the folks who were taking shots at, say, like the Dallas Cowboys and pumping up the Jacksonville Jaguars this week because, well, they they just they just got to face Josh Dobbs. Like, oh, come on, let me tell you something, y'all. And y'all saw that Thursday night against Dallas, Mr. Dobbs, Space Dobbs, as we call him in Knoxville, because he's literally a genius. He's an aerospace engineer, uh, engineer major. Like, dude, like, can build rockets and crap. I mean, he's, he's he's probably the smartest player in the NFL, far none. He's, he's unbelievable. But that being said, he's also a playmaker. He's active with his legs. He's very accurate throwing the football down the field. He got, he, listen... Robert Woods, I love Robert Woods, but Robert Woods hurt him a little bit uh, with, with some drops. You had that other young receiver uh, from Arkansas, Traylon Burks, who was dropping passes from Dobbs. Didn't really help his cause against when they were obviously huge underdogs against the Cowboys last Thursday. But he knows he's a starter. He's had an extra two days to prepare for this game against Jacksonville. He's been, I'm sure, Vrabel named him the starter a couple of days after uh, he played very well. considering he was only with the Titans for a week uh, to to lock up that number one spot. Mike Vrabel teams always play close. It's a beat-up defense that is getting some starters back. They get the king back. Eric Henry. Didn't play last week. Got some rest against the Cowboys because the game didn't really mean anything for Tennessee. So he's got fresh legs. He's ready to go. This is going to be a battle in Jacksonville. As for the Jaguars, winners of four straight, won a lot of close games, got revenge last week against the Houston Texans after the Texans, in one of their only two wins of the season, beat Jacksonville uh, earlier this season on a, a game that Trevor Lawrence would certainly like to forget. Speaking of Trevor Lawrence, if you look at his numbers since week nine, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL. He's thrown one pick. He's thrown like 14, 15 touchdown passes. His passer rating is through the roof, as is his QBR. He's been accurate. He's been mobile. He's been on fire lately. He looks every bit about, uh, of that number one pick that we thought we would see when he was drafted by the Jags in 2021. Doug Peterson, as I said he would, has gotten the best out of Trevor Lawrence. I think this baby comes down to the wire. As a matter of fact, folks, oh, whoops, there's a camera. As a matter of fact, i think joshua dobbs matches trevor lawrence throw for throw play for play the titans lead the jags late but trevor lawrence leads a game-winning drive capped off by a field goal to win the game for the jacksonville jaguars if i were a betting man take the titans plus six and a half but give me the jaguars to win this one outright 26-24. to 24. I think this is going to surprise a lot of people tomorrow. This game is going to be down to the wire. Nip it tuck. It's two division rivals, and it's Mike Vrabel. By the way, Derrick Henry's back in the lineup to help Josh Dobbs a little bit, which could be effective for Dobbs in the running game. Go get him, Space Dobbs. But I got the Jaguars winning 26-24 to 24 over Tennessee, which means the Jags clinch a playoff spot. The AFC South champions they're in the playoffs, and the Titans' season is over. Closing the season with seven straight losses. A pretty horrible collapse uh, to end the regular season. But there's only so many injuries that a team can overcome. I will stop the music for a moment and get through these games super fast through here because these games have absolutely no significance to the playoffs whatsoever. You've got the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts at home are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Sam Ellinger looks like he's going to get the start at quarterback for the Colts. They're resting Matt Ryan for the year. No need to get a veteran hurt in a game that means absolutely nothing. Nick Foles, as we saw, and you know, obviously Kayvon Thibodeau, in my opinion, rightfully got a lot of criticism for the celebration. Likely concussed Nick Foles last week against the Giants. So the Colts are down to their backup quarterback or their third-string quarterback, who they benched earlier this season. It's been as disastrous a season as one could possibly imagine if you're a Colts fan. Jeff Saturday and I love Jeff. I re- I think he's a great guy, and I think I would hire him tomorrow to be an offensive uh, offensive line coach. He is brilliant at breaking down film, uh, uh, you know, with the offensive line. He is not a head coach. The Colts this season, this stat doesn't even sound real. They have been outscored at 97 to 9 in the fourth quarter
0: since Jeff Saturday took over. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The
1: Texans play everybody, good or bad, close. They darn near beat the Cowboys. They darn near beat the Chiefs. They beat the Titans. They got demolished last week at Jacksonville with the two-quarterback formation they are using with Davis Mills, Jeff Driscoll. I, the Colts are a team that feels feel broken in terms of their, their spirit right now. They're beat up. They're on the third-string quarterback. I've got the Texans winning this game 27-20. to 20. I do, because they obviously these two teams, you see the tie in their record. These two teams did tie each other all the way back in week one of the season when we actually had hope, certainly I did, for the Colts this season. Texans win and close the season on a high note, although I think Texans fans would prefer they lose to lock up that number one pick. 27-20 to 20 against the Indianapolis Colts. Moving on to Bryson's bleak bet, it is the game that I have absolutely no confidence in predicting whatsoever. But hey, you got to predict all the games every week. It is the a, a division rivalry, which of course all of these are. Uh, the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, both teams have been eliminated from postseason contention. Both teams got eliminated last week via the Buccaneers win. Obviously, the Panthers lost to the Buccaneers last week. Saints in this game are favored at minus three and a half. Again, I'm kind of thinking underdog here. First of all, the Panthers have played great football under Steve Wilkes, who's the interim head coach, in my opinion. Unless the Panthers were to land a guy like Sean Payton, I go and give this job to Steve Wilkes. The job that he's done, getting that locker room to rally around him, to buy into what he's selling, uh, getting a second chance after Arizona did not work out at all for him in 2018. The Panthers are, are not a team led by the quarterback, as we've seen this season when they had Baker Mayfield before he went to L.A. P.J. Walker now with Sam Darnold. They run the football down your throat with guys like Chuba Hubbard and company. So you're looking at that offensive line for Carolina that can beat you up front. You're looking at a defense, a secondary, which, yes, struggled last week against Mike Evans, but all in all has been really good against some of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, I think they go on the road and win this game against the Saints. I really do. I think Carolina gets the upset. They win 23-19 to over the New Orleans Saints. Speaking of upset and speaking of the NFC South, in my upset of the week, it's crazy that this would be an upset. Get me the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the New Orleans Saints by the exact same score, 23-19 to against the Atlanta Falcons. Here's why I've got Tampa winning this game, despite resting a lot of starters, despite missing a lot of defensive players this week. What I'm looking at is simply, and I mean simply this, when it comes to Tom Brady facing the Atlanta Falcons, He's like LeVar Ball told Stephen A. Smith six years ago in 2017 about playing basketball one-on-one. I'm undefeated. Never lost. That is Tom Brady against the Atlanta Falcons. He is now, I think, 10-0, 11-0, something like that against the Atlanta Falcons in his career. We won't listen for you Falcons fans listening. We're not going to talk about the Super Bowl. I'm not going not to bring that up. not going to do that. But... This year, beat Atlanta, swept Atlanta last year, swept Atlanta the year before that, beat them in 2017. Super Bowl, they beat him in all those games before that in New England. Tom Brady has owned the Atlanta Falcons for his entire career. Uh, by the way, they're on a backup quarterback. Desmond Ritter has been underwhelming, to say the very least. So, Tampa, this game doesn't mean anything for them. They're in the playoffs as the NFC South champ. They're going to host a playoff game against either the Cowboys or the Eagles. I'm going to take them to win this game, get some momentum going in the postseason. 23-19 to 19 over the Atlanta Falcons. So two straight 23-19 to 19 games, both happening in the NFC South. That sounds quite unlikely, but hey, it is week 18. Anything can happen. And anything can happen. We will go and start the, the music again because the games following here, uh, from, from here on out, absolutely every single one of them have playoff implications. To the NFC North. The Minnesota Vikings go to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Vikings, pretty good favorites in this game, minus seven. So the Bears, big story for them, Justin Fields is out. Nathan Peterman is in. If you don't know anything about Nathan Peterman, all you should know is that his first start in the NFL might have been the first worst start in the history of football. He threw five interceptions in the first half against the Chargers. Now, It was five years ago. We understand that. Can we expect it to be all that better with a Chicago offense that isn't good, despite the fact that Justin Fields had an excellent second year in the NFL with a defense that is struggling mightily. And by the way, a Vikings team that is coming in after getting humiliated against their division rival on the road against the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. So, a second straight game, a second straight week of the Vikings playing in the frigid cold. But they're not facing Aaron Rodgers. They're not facing Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. They're not facing a great Packers defense or has been playing great in the last month. This is a bad Bears defense without their starting quarterback. Frankly, I'm not sure the organization isn't playing just to get the number one pick. If Houston wins, give me the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Chicago Bears soundly 31 to 17. And for the Bears, it would clinch the number one pick in the draft because I think the Viking. I'm sorry, I think the Texans are going to beat the uh Colts. So the Bears would get the number one overall pick in the draft as I see it playing out. And for the Vikings, they win. They're 13-4, and they still have, le- have at least a shot at the number two seed in the NFC. Looking at this next matchup, you got the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Incredibly enough. Baltimore can host a playoff game. Cincinnati in this game, though, big favors, minus nine. Baltimore can win this game against the Bengals, as I talked about earlier in the show, win a coin toss, I'm not kidding, and they host a playoff game, likely against Cincinnati or against the Chargers. Here's the problem, though. The Ravens offense without Lamar Jackson, I could put it as simply and as blunt as I can. They've sucked. They have not broken 20 points since Lamar went down. In some instances, they haven't broken double digits. Facing a Bengals defense that has been lights out as of late. We don't talk as much about the Bengals defense as we do other defenses. Why? We don't really have a whole lot of big-name players, but they've got a secondary that takes the ball away from you. They've got a front four that gets to the quarterback, and it gets a Ravens offense that is sputtering without Lamar with Tyler Huntley making yet another start. I don't. I don't know how you could possibly have any confidence in a team like uh, like the Baltimore Ravens. To me, this is an easy one. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game, twenty-eight to thirteen. By the way, due to obviously the horrible situation of Monday night, the Bengals have fresh legs. They will beat the Baltimore Ravens twenty-eight to thirteen. They will cover the big spread. It's minus nine, but I think they will win this one handily, twenty-eight to thirteen, over the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and, and be in position. The Bengals can still get that uh, number two seed, to my knowledge. Uh, as far, I'm pretty sure they can get that number two seed. Baltimore then will be locked in as the number six seed in the AFC. Moving on to an AFC East battle with major playoff implications. Here we go. The New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins in this game favored by a field goal. For the Jets, their season is over. Close close your eyes and close your ears, John Rivera and Alfred Parson Jr. I love those guys. Uh, They are Jets fans. But the Jets' season is over. They lost last week against Seattle. And once again, in a crazy quarterback carousel, if we've ever seen one in a single season, the Jets will then turn back to Joe Flacco. It's all come full circle for the Jets. They started with Joe Flacco, then they went to Zach Wilson, then they went to Mike White, then they went back to Zach Wilson, then they went back to Mike White. Now they're coming around to the guy that they started the first few weeks of the season in Joe Flacco. Because this line was initially Dolphins minus two, now that Flacco's starting, it's Dolphins minus three. Let's just put it this way, the Dolphins aren't exactly in the best quarterback situation themselves. Tua out with a concussion. Teddy Bridgewater out with an injury he suffered last week. So it will be Skylar Thompson making the start. The rookie third stringer making the start for the Miami Dolphins with the playoff hopes on the line. This is a Dolphins team that was 8-3 and three with an opportunity possibly to get that coveted number one seed in the AFC. Now they are fighting for their playoff lives and need help to get into the postseason. Here's what I'm looking at. Yes, the Dolphins are at home. And yes, do they have playmakers. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, gasecki you know all their names. I've said them enough on this show. Mike McDaniel is their head coach, who I'm sure will have a remarkable game plan. I'd say he'll stick to running the football more than anything. Doesn't want to put Skylar Thompson in positions to make mistakes. For the Jets, though, this is a team it If they're anything like their coach, if they've taken on the identity of their coach, which most teams going in the right direction do, they are pissed about how last week went. They're like, if we'd have won last week, we could have been in position to make the playoffs this week. And now we're just going to sit back and watch our rival Dolphins, possibly if they beat us, the Patriots lose, get in the playoffs? Uh Uh-uh. That's not going to happen under our watch. Give me the New York Jets in an upset. To beat the Miami Dolphins, 21-19, handing the Dolphins their sixth straight loss to end the regular season. And ending their season, they will be eliminated from playoff contention when they lose to the Jets. New York finishes on a high note. New York, I think, doubles their wins to where I, th- I had them before the season. I, I think I had the Jets as a, as a four-win team. I have the Dolphins as a nine-win team. They still obviously could get that if they win. But I had the Dolphins missing the playoffs, and I think that prediction is going to stand. Jets beat the Dolphins 21-19. Dolphins are eliminated from playoff contention. Moving on to this next one. It's an AFC North matchup. It is the Cleveland Browns, and it is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland, mathematically eliminated. Pittsburgh, on the other hand, needs a lot of help. They need to win, and they need a Patriots and Dolphins loss. But if that goes their way, they are in the postseason, as I talked about about 10, 15 minutes ago. For Pittsburgh, winners of three consecutive games, remarkably keeping Mike Tomlin's streak alive, a streak that is 15 years, possibly 16 years strong, of having never had a losing season. Even if the streak comes to an end, that will be an NFL record among head coaches. Belichick didn't do it, Lombardi didn't do it, Bill Walsh didn't do it, Tom Landry didn't do it, Don Shula didn't do it. Any great coach, think of their name, they have not done what Mike Tomlin's done in terms of having 15 consecutive winning seasons. They're hoping to now get to 16 and a playoff berth for the third consecutive season. Kenny Pickett, I talked about him on Monday's show after that game when he against Baltimore. His stats are not going to blow you away. Matter of fact, you're kind of going to scomp at them. He's got six touchdown passes despite making the majority of the starts at quarterback for the Steelers. But he has an it quality. When the game needs him to be at his best, he's at his best. Najee Harris has been running the football extremely effectively as of late like he did against the Ravens, like he did against the Raiders a couple weeks back. Like he did against the Panthers in this winning streak for Pittsburgh. This is a Steelers defense. Think about this stat, folks. They're eight and eight. But they are, I think, seven and two, or eight and two. Seven and two, I think. When TJ Watt plays. If that's not value. I don't know what is. For a defensive player, the havoc that he wreaks on that side of the ball getting to the quarterback, getting his hands on the football at the line of scrimmage, he's going to be a problem for Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, is coming off of his best game as a Cleveland Brown. Had three touchdown passes last week against the Washington Commanders. Played well. Completion percentage wasn't great, but played well. Made some good throws, made the typical Deshaun Watson throws that we were used to seeing him make back when he was in Houston. Steelers, by the way, in this game are favored minus 2.5. I forgot to mention that. They're favored uh, uh, minus 2.5 to win this game. I think it's another close game for the Steelers. It's down to the wire. Kenny Pickett pulls it out. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers by a field goal to cover the spread. Barely, but the cover spread. 20-17 to in a classic AFC North defensive battle. Two of the best defensive players in the world will be featured in this game. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. I think TJ Watt's team comes out on top. And the Steelers will keep themselves alive for the playoffs. Okay, and clinch if nothing else clinch a winning season for Mike Tomlin his 16th consecutive year of a non-losing season. It is a remarkable streak, a remarkable record that he will add, add on. Steelers beat the Browns 20-17. to 17. We've got a comment here from Grady. Patrick Brown says, Crazy to think the Titans, Jets, and Dolphins unraveled at the wrong time. Quarterback play hurt each of these teams. Defenses were solid, but quarterback matters in hindsight. No question about it. Uh, Dolphins quarterback got hurt. Titans quarterback got hurt. Jets had a quarterback carousel and had injuries to that position, most specifically to Mike White, and it goes to show how important the position is. So this one right here. The last early window game. This one, folks, to decide who is in as the 7 seed in the playoffs. As I predicted, I think the Dolphins will be out. Okay, the Dolphins out. I think they'll lose to the Jets. However, the Steelers will beat the Browns, in my view, And they will still be alive. So it comes down to this. The New England Patriots, who if they win, they're in. Against the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo in this game favored minus seven. Here's what I'm looking at with this one, folks. If you look at Josh Allen. Do I have it here? If you look at Josh Allen's career, against the New England Patriots, it is safe to say that he has absolutely dominated them in the last three matchups. First of all, he's won all threes, 3-0. He has a completion percentage of 69.5%. He's averaged 282 passing yards a game. He has 10 touchdown passes, zero interceptions, and a passer rating of 125 in his last three games against Bill Belichick's defense. I'm also looking out for the Bills in a more serious matter. What happened on Monday night, you can only imagine how much that would scar a team. But as I talked about at the beginning of today's show when I gave the DeMar Hamlin update, Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, was grinning from ear to ear. and It was, it was a truly amazing thing to see how DeMar Hamlin has recovered the way he has. I think the Chiefs are going to win tomorrow, which will mean for the Bills, they know they will not get the number one seed. And as far as I'm concerned, I think they're locked in at that point as the two seed. So this game technically won't mean that much to Buffalo in terms of playoff seeding. But they are going to play their you-know-what's-off for DeMar Hamlin. This game, they've already put the number three patches on the jerseys. You saw, I saw a picture of Stephon Diggs' jersey uh, on on uh, Instagram. It's got the number three patch on it. This team is going to play spirited football for their guy Demar Hamlin for the Patriots. Obviously, they're 0 three in their last three matchups against the Bills. Mac Jones. While the turnovers haven't been as much of an issue in the second, <clears throat> excuse me, in the second half of the season as they've been in the first half. So Mac Jones, who's really struggled as of late. He hasn't been good in the red zone. He's been bad situationally. The leadership has left much to be desired. Much to be desired. It's an offense that folks struggled against Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins in Foxboro. And the last thing I'm looking at for the Patriots, the last time that they played in this building in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. Was the playoffs? Let's just say it didn't go too well for the Patriots. They lost forty-seven to seventeen when the in the Bills had a perfect offensive game. They scored on every single drive. Considering the hearts that the, the you know they're going to play with a lot of heart for Demar Hamlin, I think the Bills win convincingly, thirty-four to fifteen over the New England Patriots. They win this game. They for sure lock themselves as, as the two-seed if that hasn't already been locked up to begin with. And due to the Patriots' loss, because I think the Steelers are going to win and the Dolphins, will, I think, are going to lose, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be in the playoffs as the last team in, in the AFC. It is crazy to think about. But the Steelers will be in the postseason as the seven seed with a 9-8 record to preserve Mike Tomlin's, uh, not only preserve Mike Tomlin's no uh, losing season streak going back to, to, the, to the 2007 season, but also to get in the playoffs for the third straight year and as impressive a job as Mike Tomlin has done as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got a few comments here. Patrick Brown, the Browns have been nothing short of organized chaos. Jadavian Clowney was sent home from his comments made about the team's defense. Yes, I did read that this afternoon. Uh, he probably wasn't gonna even be on the team next year anyway. So, but so this just makes it all the more worse that he's he's gone. Uh, uh, <laughs> Grady Edwards in the comments: What's up, Grady? He says, Bryson, why don't you believe in Matt Patricia, man? Well, he's a he's a defensive coordinator. He's the offensive coach. You and I both know that, my man. I love you, Grady. You're the man. I appreciate your support to the show, but I cannot roll with your Patriots. Their season will come to an end in a loss against the Bills and a Pittsburgh win against the Dolphins. And the Steelers will be in the playoffs. To the afternoon window of games. Got a matchup in the Mile High City between the Los Angeles Chargers and the team that I picked to go to the Super Bowl. And mercifully, is the last game I'll have to pick for these bums this season. The Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos in the mile high. The Broncos are a field goal favorite against the Chargers who are in the playoffs. They're in. Question for the Chargers is, are they going to be the five seed or the six seed? As it stands right now, they're the five seed. For a team like the Ravens, I think they're going to lose big to the Bengals. So that'll mean the Chargers, this game really won't mean a whole lot to them. It won't have a whole lot of playoff implications. But momentum means a lot going into the playoffs. The Chargers have been hot as of late. Justin Herbert has been playing some of his best football. Uh, Played outstanding last week, albeit against a beat-up Rams defense. But it is a Chargers offense at times that has been a little up and down. Wasn't great against Tennessee. Wasn't great at all. Very underwhelming performance against the Colts on Monday Night Football a few weeks back. Last week played well. Put up, I think, 31 points against the Rams. But they're going to look to go in the playoffs with momentum. Because they know they're to, if they want to make any kind of crazy Super Bowl run, they're going to have to win on the road. Well, you got a road matchup right off the bat. Not a playoff game, obviously, but in Denver. For the Broncos, I think it's a similar situation to what I talked about with the Raiders earlier. They've had as... Everything that could have went wrong for the Broncos went wrong. Russell was awful. The head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, was awful. He is no longer the team's head coach. The defense, as great as it was early in the season, has struggled a little bit as of late. They've had injuries to their offensive line. They have injuries to wide receiver. At wide receiver, rather. And they're last in the AFC West. And they don't have a first-round pick as the little cherry on top. So I think that they're going to play a very hard-fought game against the Chargers. I think Russell, I think he throws a couple picks. But, I think he moves the ball down the field against the Chargers defense that, despite getting some of its starters back, has struggled at times. In the secondary in particular, giving up big plays down the field. Expect maybe, and it's crazy to say, but maybe a bomb touchdown for the Broncos from Russell Wilson. It's a guy that maybe Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. But, I think the Chargers close the regular season off on a high note. Justin Herbert continues to play the way he's been playing the last month, which is outstanding. Chargers win in a walk-off field goal 23-20 to over the Denver Broncos. By this point, because I think the Ravens are going to lose, the Chargers will have already been locked in as the five seed. But again, make no mistake about it, momentum is highly, highly important uh, to uh, two teams in the NFL. Uh, so I think the Chargers win this game. I forgot to mention, I forgot to put this graphic up, Patriots are out. Sorry. I have to put that X on, uh, I guess, is it Pat Patriot is the name of the Patriots uh, logo slash mascot. Sorry, Grady. Sorry, uh, Pat Station. Patriots will be done. Eliminated for the playoffs. Steelers will be in. I forgot to put that graphic up. Now to the NFC East. This is where it's all going to be decided, folks. Who will be the number one seed in the conference? Who will win the NFC East? Let's start in our nation's capital. The Dallas Cowboys taking on the Washington Commanders. Dallas, big favorites in this game, minus seven. For the Commanders, they are going to start rookie quarterback Sam Howell out of the University of North Carolina. Obviously, Carson Wentz has been, shocker, shocker, a disaster this season. Taylor Heineke, while he's had his moments, he's still, and I like Taylor, but he's still a backup quarterback. He can win games for you, but you're not going to place the, the – uh, the weight of the franchise, certainly this dysfunctional franchise, on the poor Taylor Heineke. So, I think, far as I know, I think he's going to back up Sam Howell. We could see Heineke at some point in this game if Howell struggles. The Commanders obviously got eliminated last week against the Browns, unbeknownst, unfortunately, to Ron Rivera, as you saw in that press conference after that loss. For Dallas, they've gotten kind of lucky in the last three weeks in this regard. This is their third straight week facing a quarterback making his first start of the season. Gardner Minshew, Josh Dobbs, Sam Howell. To the quarterback to Do- the quarterbacks Dobbs and Howell are making the first start of their careers for Dallas. We are vastly criminally overrating the Cowboys defense, folks. Since Thanksgiving Day against the Giants. On to last week in that win over the Titans. Here's how many yards the Cowboys defense has given up. 300 yards to the Giants led by Daniel Jones. 309 yards to the Colts led by Matt Ryan. 327 yards to the Texans led by Davis Mills. 503 yards against the Jaguars, albeit against Trevor Lawrence, but 500 yards is still 500 yards. It's not not good, folks. 442 yards against the backup for the Eagles. Not Hurts, but Gardner Minshew and 317 yards to the Titans led by Josh Dobbs making the first start of his career. The Cowboys defense which got them you know, in a good position the first half of the season is not playing well. Micah Parsons has one sack in his last five games. Trayvon Diggs has not gotten an interception since all the way back in that game against the Chicago Bears over two months ago. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, question has been about the interceptions. I did a little film breakdown last week on Friday's show about Dak's interceptions. The ones, that are, the, the ones that are his fault, the ones that are not his fault. And it's about half and half. I anticipate Dak, he's going to put an emphasis on this, plays a clean game. Cowboys get Tony Pollard back. I don't think this is a game in which they'll have to rely on the Cowboys subpar wide receiving core outside of CeeDee Lamb, of course. Uh, I think CD has a big game, another 100 yard performance. Dak plays a clean game, a couple touchdown passes. They run the football effectively. And fortunately enough, for a Cowboys defense that's not playing well, uh, they're facing Sam Howell. Okay, they're 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 not facing an elite quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. So I think the Cowboys will win this game. They do cover the seven-point spread. I think they win by seven, 31 to 24. Over the Washington Commanders, uh, Dak and the Cowboys get to 13-4, and their first 13-win season since Dak's rookie year back in 2016, and their second straight 12-plus win season. That has not been done since the Cowboys Super Bowl days back in 1995. Got some comments here from, uh, this one's from Patrick. <laughs> I like this. Broncos country, let's run and hide. That's been the running meme and joke the entire 2022 season. And joke is a good way to describe the Denver Broncos. Uh, Some Patriots comments here. Whoop! Some Patriots comments here. There we go. From Grady Edwards. He says, all good. We got Tom Brady to look forward to. I say that joking slash very serious. Hope we get him back. If he continues to play, I kind of think there's a higher chance he retires than most people think. I hope he doesn't get to play for the Raiders. Just what would, uh, just wouldn't end well because of the head coach. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think Vegas makes no sense, but I'd hate to say this, Grady. I think the Patriots make just as much sense as the Raiders make, which is none. I don't because the reason Tom left, they still have the same issues, which is. Belichick struggling in the draft and a horrible receiving core. They'll upgraded offensive coordinator. Matt Patricia won't be there next year. But I, I, don't, I don't see Tom returning to New England at all. By the way, Tom seems to really enjoy the warm weather of Tampa, so Miami makes sense. Uh, San Francisco. Although it's, it, it gets a little chilly in the Bay Area. Not as hot as Miami, obviously, but it's, it's still good weather. Um, but yeah, I got the Cowboys winning this game of the commanders 31-24, which means. They will at least, in the game, again, the other game going on, which will help them decide the Cowboys' NFC East fate, will be going on at the same time at 425 Eastern. The Cowboys will put themselves in position, though, to win the division by beating the Commanders. Simultaneously, they will be hoping for a loss between one of the two teams I'm about to mention. you got the New York Giants, and you've got the Philadelphia Eagles. For the Giants... They are locked in the playoffs as the sixth seed. Go ahead and just give the coach of the year award to Brian Dable. Okay. Uh, The job that he's done. Daniel Jones had a great game last week against the Colts. His QBR was 97. Zero to 100, a QBR of 97. He passed with flying colors, albeit he gets a bad Colts defense. But Daniel Jones was outstanding, as was Saquon Barkley. Giants do a lot of good stuff in in regards to getting their tight ends uh, in motion and in getting it effective in the play-action game. The Giants, however, are going to rest a lot of their starters. Who, you ask, we're not quite certain. The reports, people who are on the ground, the men and women on the ground, in the Meadowlands, who watch the Giants practice, say they are going to be resting starters because their playoff spot is locked in. For the Eagles, who are 14-point favorites, it appears to be the case that Jalen Hurts will start. I'm going to predict this game with the assumption that he does start. His last game he played, however, even before the shoulder injury, he struggled through a couple of interceptions. Eagles only put up 25 points against one of the worst defenses in football, the Chicago Bears. So in this one, they're at home. It's going to be a very raucous environment, as it often is in Philadelphia this time of year, and this type of weather. 14 feels like way too much. Even with Jalen Hurts. 14? Look, I get the Giants are playing their backups. This is an Eagles team, albeit with Garner Minshew, that lost by double digits to the Saints at home. So for Philly, the NFC East is on the line. The number one seed, more importantly, is on the line. I think Jalen, if he plays, assuming he plays, gets off to a rocky start. But he comes back around. Keep in mind this is an Eagles offense that put up 48 points over the healthy Giants. The starters for the Giants. The last time these two played in the Meadowlands. I can see the Giants getting out to an early early lead, but I will take the Eagles to drop a 30 burger. On the Giants, they win this game 30-20 over the Giants. Again, 14 feels like way too much. I'd take the Giants in the points in a heartbeat, assuming Jalen Hurts plays. Now, if Gardner Minshew plays, whoo. Might have to worry a little bit, Eagles fans. But I think Jalen Hurts is going to play. Eagles win this game, and therefore, they clinch the NFC East. And the NFC's number one seed. So that means they get a first-round bye. And Dallas will be going to Tampa Bay next week to take on the Buccaneers. Eagles win this game 30-20 to 20 over the Giants. And clinch the conference's number one seed and a first-round bye. Which, frankly, they should have done a long time ago. But, hey, it's all that matters. You get it done. And you get next week off to heal your bodies, which the Eagles definitely need. Grady Edwards, does the Cowboys season still end on January 15th, 2023, as you stated? Well, Grady, it could be January 14th if the Cowboys play on Saturday. Who knows? My prediction was that on January 16th, 2023, I said this back in March of last year, January 16th, 2023, I would be coming into today's show, or not today's show, this show, talking about a Dallas Cowboys playoff loss. If they go to Tampa... I like the Bucks' chances, to say the very least. Grady also asks, is Patrick Mahomes the MVP? I believe so. The consistency, not to mention he's first in like literally every single quarterback stat that matters, you know, QBR, passing touchdowns, passing yards, all the ones that sort of matter for Patrick Mahomes. He's first in all those categories. To lose Tyreek Hill, to have Michael Hardman down for a long time, to not really have much support from a running game. To have some clunkers by your defense, which is playing better as of late, but to have some clunkers as of late by the defense, I don't say he's not the MVP. With all due respect to Jalen Hurts, with all due respect to Joe Burrow, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. But the Eagles win this game; they clinch the one seed. Looking at this next matchup, which if the Eagles uh, win, really doesn't mean all that much, but we'll predict it anyway. Do we have it in here? Let's see. I'll need to. I'll need to pull up the graphic uh, for the. Uh, Niners and the who is it? Yeah, the Niners and the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So I'm looking at this matchup. Cardinals are Niners are favored. I'm sorry. Minus 14 and a half. Niners are favored. Minus 14 and a half uh, uh, against the Cardinals who are pretty much mailing it in. Is just as simple as that. The Cardinals' season is over. Uh, it's been over for a long time. Their quarterback's gone. Uh, their season is, is, is a total train wreck. This is, in all likelihood, Cliff Kingsbury's final game as the Cardinals' head coach. He will likely resign after the season is over. For the Niners, they had their worst defensive game of the season last week. For Brock Purdy, he had probably his best game of the season last week, putting up 37 points, albeit against a horrible regular Raiders defense. But that was kind of the test for Brock Purdy. Like, okay, he's playing well. He's got support from the running game. He's putting up numbers that are more impressive than the original starter, Jimmy Garoppolo. But can he play from behind? Well, he had to play from behind. Double digits behind in the second half. And they came back and won the game. Not everything went Brock Purdy's way. His great defense gave up 34 points to Jarrett Stidham. His kicker, Robbie Gold, missed the game-winning field goal in regulation. For Brock Purdy, sturdy Purdy, as I call him. He was sturdy. He's settled down. We're going to get the job done. Get the ball off of an interception by uh, off of Jarrett and start overtime. Lead my team in the field goal range. We win the game. I truly cannot see a scenario. <laughs> Honestly. I cannot see a scenario in which the Niners lose this game. The Cardinals are starting David Blau at quarterback. They're beat up on defense. Really the only significant headline, the only two significant headlines from this game are it's likely the last game for Cliff Kingsbury, possibly in the NFL. He'll probably go back to college. And for J.J. Watt, it is the last game of his historic Hall of Fame career. A hats off to a remarkable career by J.J. Watt. He will certainly have a bust in camp one day. One of the great guys and one of the great all-time players in the league. But unfortunately for J.J., Love the guy, but a season's going to come uh, to an end with a loss. Niners win this game, and I don't think 14.5 is – minus 14.5 is, is, is too much at all. I, again, I cannot see a scenario in which the Niners lose this game. They're too great. They're too healthy. The Cardinals are too beat up. Niners win this game, 34 to 16, over the Cardinals. Uh, but due to the Eagles' win, it won't really matter in terms of their playoff positioning. They will be locked in as the number two seed, uh, beating out Minnesota, but falling short to the Eagles. Niners beats the Cardinals, 34 to 16. Looking at this next matchup, so we've already decided AFC that's wrapped up, and I'll get go over the playoff picture as I think it will be by the time Sunday's over. But for the NFC, that last wildcard spot is up for grabs. Many questions will be answered with this next game. The Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks in this game are favored by a touchdown, minus six. For the Rams, they got blown out last week in the Battle of LA against the Chargers. But Baker Mayfield is playing fine. He is with Sean McVay after all despite some of the weapons the Rams are missing. Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup. Now that Skoronic kid went down. Tyler Higby's down. I mean, the, the offensive line's a mess. But Cam Akers has been playing well as of late. I think that's going to be me uh, really interesting to this game. It's going to mean a lot for the Rams in this game. I could see this being a typical Los Angeles Rams-type game. Run the football. Put your quarterback. This could be a very sort of Jared Goff-type game. Back when the Rams had Jared Goff. Where, don't put Goff in position to make a whole lot of mistakes. Not necessarily make him a total game manager because he can't make the big throws. Baker, I don't think, can make as many good throws as Jared Goff. But nevertheless, put him in position to succeed. This is Sean McVay, after all. As for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks, they obviously have to win to give themselves a shot at the playoffs. They need to win, and they need a Packers loss later on Sunday evening against Detroit. For Seattle, Geno Smith. Played very well and yet his and yet another revenge game, a third revenge game this season for Geno Smith against the Chargers, Giants, and Jets. He won all three. Hats off to Geno Smith. They wrote me off. I ain't right back. His famous comp, uh, his comment to Lisa Salters back in week one when they beat the Broncos. Well, they're going to need him uh, to not write back once again, if you will. They're going to need to rely on their run game. Kenneth Walker against a, a Rams defense with no Aaron Donald. They're going to need him to not turn the ball over, which he struggled with at times a couple weeks back against the Carolina Panthers. They need him to be accurate. They need him to be the great leader that he has been all season long. I don't like Seahawks minus six at all. I really don't. I don't think they cover. I'm taking the Rams plus six. But I think the Seahawks went out right. They finish without Russell Wilson, by the way, with a winning record, 9-8. They win this game 26-22, by the way, over the beat-up Los Angeles Rams against quite possibly, who knows, maybe their future quarterback, Baker Mayfield, if they're not able to draft a quarterback in this year's draft, which I I think seems pretty unlikely. Seahawks beats the Rams 26-22. They are 9-8, and they give themselves a shot to get in the playoffs. But the Seahawks win, unfortunately, for... uh, for the Detroit Lions mean that the Lions season is over. They will be eliminated from playoff contention before they even take the field against the Green Bay Packers. Before I predict the last game of the regular season, I've got a comment here from Grady. It's a good question. He says, "What does Brock Purdy have to do to be the starting quarterback next season for the 49ers?" He's looking really pert. He's looking pretty good right now, Bryson. He is looking pretty good. I agree. I agree with you, Grady. I think for him win two playoff games whether they're the one seed which is unlikely but whether they're the one seed or whether they are the two seed whatever seed they are win two playoff games which is which would either mean an nfc title game appearance or a super bowl appearance for the 49ers in which case by the way brock purdy would be the first quarterback in nfl history as a rookie to lead his team to the super bowl it's never been done in nfl history how crazy it would be if brock purdy is the first to do it I think if he helps the Niners win two playoff games and then plays well, should they lose in the playoffs, in their playoff loss, it's hard for them not to go with him. He's 4-0. He's playing out of his mind right now, given the expectations, at least for Brock Purdy. uh, I think he's got a very good chance, Grady, next season to be the, the Niners' starting quarterback. So that's what I think about Sturdy Purdy. So here we go. The last game of the NFL regular season will be played in Lambeau Field. The Detroit Lions, who via the Seahawks win, I think the Seahawks will win the game, will have already been eliminated from playoff contention facing the Green Bay Packers, who simply put, if they win, they're in the playoffs. After being 4-8, and eight, they close the season with five consecutive Ws to get into the postseason. Packers in this game are favored at minus five, so Vegas likes Green Bay a lot. I think we're going to get a shootout. I think whether or not the Lions know that they're in the playoffs or not, I don't think it's going to make a difference in terms of how hard they play. Why? Because it's Dan Campbell, for crying out loud. They always play hard for Dan Campbell. They love that guy. I don't blame him. I love Dan Campbell. Wasn't high on them when they hired him, but he's done a good job. He's put them in position to make the postseason, which none of us thought was possible for Detroit this year. Jared Goff, I keep saying it week after week, should have been a pro bowler. His play was conducive to a lot of Lions wins this year and should have qualified him for the Pro Bowl. I thought he should have gotten in over Geno Smith. I like Geno. He's not a Pro Bowler over Jared Goff. Coming off of a big performance last week, dropping a 40-burger on the Chicago Bears, albeit a bad Bears defense, but 41 points on the Chicago Bears. Coming into this matchup, facing the Packers, whose defense has been playing out of its mind as of late, they had 12 takeaways their first 12 games of the season. They have the exact same amount of takeaways in their last four games in this four-game winning streak. This Packers winning streak, contrary to popular belief, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had a lot to do with it. It's been the defense taking the ball away. Heck, it's been the special teams, which, you know, I always say the most three certain things in the world, things you can be certain of are death, taxes, and horrible special teams by the Green Bay Packers. Hasn't been the case as of late. That Nixon kid that got returning kicks is awesome. I'm not going to say he's like Devin Hester or Deion Sanders. That would be blasphemous to me to say that, but he's been outstanding. I think it's fair to say he's the best returner in the NFL today in 2023. I think this will be the first time in the the last now, it will be five games for the Packers, putting themselves in a position to make the playoffs, that they will ask Aaron Rodgers to be great. To be Aaron Rodgers, the four-time league MVP. To be Aaron Rodgers... The be, it was a long time ago, but the Super Bowl MVP for Detroit. They know to win this game, they're going to have to put up a lot of points considering that the, their, their defense, although it's been a better as of late, is is still not great against a Packers uh, offense that is great running the football. And a, and a Packers offense in which I think Aaron's going to have a very good game. They know they're going to have to get in a little bit of a track meet. It's going to be close. It's going to be down to the wire. I think it's gonna come down to the last drive of the game. The Packers will stop Jared Goff and the Lions, and they will win this shootout at Lambeau 34-31. I do not think they'll cover. I think I, I like a lot of dogs this week. Like the underdogs this week. Packers win this game 34-31. They will be in the postseason. Uh once again for the fourth consecutive season. They will be in the playoffs as the seventh seed. And unfortunately for my friends in Seattle, their season will be over. Their season will end, albeit with a winning record at 9-8, and eight, but they will fall due to the Packers' win over the Detroit Lions. Green Bay will be in the playoffs to conclude the 2022 NFL regular season. There you go. 272 games predicted. I wasn't able to get the graphic up about what my record is to this point, so I'll just go ahead and read it off for you right here. My record to this point is, uh, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Yep. One, 160, 91, and 2. There you go. One, 160 games predicted correctly, 91 predicted incorrectly, and you, of course, had two ties in there uh, between the Texans and Colts in week one, and then I think in week 13, a tie between the Commanders and the Giants. So there you go. Let's see. Uh, Grady asks, were you wrong about Dan Campbell, Bryson? Seems like he's been biting many kneecaps. Love this man. I will admit, Grady, I was wrong about Dan Campbell. I was not a fan of the hire at all when Detroit made the made the move to go get him. They were bad last year. They you know, only won three games, got the uh second overall pick in the draft. Took Aiden Hutchinson, who's been great for them, by the way. But this year, for Dan Campbell to put the Detroit Lions in position to make the playoffs with a defense that is not very good. I mean, if the Lions had just beaten the Seahawks 48 to 45. To my knowledge, I think they'd be in. Or at, at the bare minimum, if they went, if they beat Green Bay, they'd have been in. Instead, they need the Seahawks to lose, and they need to beat the Packers in order to make the playoffs. It could happen, but I don't think it will. Uh, but yes, I was wrong about Dan Campbell. I can admit I was wrong about Mr. Kneecap-biting head coach. Grady Edwards, they've got a real person in there, a head coach. Love it. Absolutely, that, that, that's the thing. There's BS coaches out there. Plenty of them. Heck, Detroit just had one before Dan Campbell and Matt Patricia. This guy loves his players. His players love him back. They've bitten a lot of kneecaps this season. A lot of kneecaps. Kneecap. 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 Times this season. Could it be nine? Maybe. I, I think they'll cover. I, I'll take them in the points. I just don't think they'll win the game. They'll lose the Packers 34-31. to 31. Before we get out of here... If my playoff, if if my predictions come to fruition, that rhymed, uh, this will be, these will be the playoff standings. In the AFC, here you go. The, The Chiefs will be the one seed, followed by the Bills, Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Ravens, and I think the Steelers are going to sneak in as the seven seed due to their win over the Browns and a loss uh, by the two losses by the Patriots and by the Miami Dolphins. In the AFC, there you go. I think you'll have Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Ravens, Steelers. So that would mean the Chiefs get a first round bye, and the playoff matchups would be uh, uh Bills versus Steelers, Bengals versus Ravens, another divisional matchup there in the wild card, and Jaguars versus Chargers. Man, that those are some good matchups. So you got the Bills versus the Steelers, Bengals versus Ravens, which is the division rivalry. And you got two of the best quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in the game in Trevor Lawrence with the Jags facing Justin Herbert with the Chargers. That will mean one of those two guys, should this come to fruition, one of those two guys will win their first playoff game. One of those two guys will start their playoff career with a winning record. To the NFC, if my predictions come to fruition. Rhymed again. (laughs) Excuse me. One through seven. You'll have the Eagles, followed by the Niners, Vikings, Buccaneers, Cowboys, Giants, Packers. So that means the Eagles get a first-round bye. I think they'll beat the Giants, lock up the East, lock up a first-round by in the playoffs. So the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC will go through the city of brotherly love, which is the biggest oxymoron in the history of sports. Uh, and then you'll have the 49ers taking on the Packers. Uh, that is probably not the the matchup that the Packers would really want all that much considering the fact that the Niners have owned them in the playoffs in their last four matchups. Aaron Rodgers is 0-4 in his career in the postseason against the Niners. Uh, a loss in 2012 when Colin Kaepernick had probably the greatest rushing performance by any quarterback in playoff history. In 2013 when the Packers backed into division title but lost again to the 49ers in the postseason, in the wild card game at Lambeau. Years later, NFC title game, Jimmy Garoppolo threw all of seven passes or eight passes. He didn't throw many passes. And the Niners still destroyed the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I think they beat him 37 to 20. I'm pretty sure that was the final score, but the the, the score was not indicative of how much of an, a, a, a mismatched nightmare that game was. And then last year, obviously, the Packers got upset at home as the number one seed by the six-seed Niners, 13-10. to 10. So that is... The Packers, I think it's safe to say, are hoping that the Niners win and the Eagles lose. And the Cowboys lose. Or, or the Cowboys win. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has kind of owned the Cowboys. Just anybody but the Niners as the two-seed, the Packers will prefer if they get in the postseason. So I, th- I think that's how it's going to play out. Vikings would take on the Giants. That would be a very fascinating matchup, considering the fact that, despite being 12 and four, the Vikings are—they have a negative point differential. That means in the 16 games they played, they've actually been outscored. Their opponents have scored more points than they have. Yet they're 12 and four because they win a lot of close games, and the games they lose, they get absolutely destroyed in. See last week against the Packers. See when they got beat by 11 to the line, against the Lions. They got beat by the Cowboys 40 to 3 at home. And then they got beat badly on Monday Night Football all the way back in week two against the Philadelphia Eagles. So, but you got the Giants coming in, their first playoff appearance. These two teams, by the way, played a couple weeks back and it was a, a classic game. Vikings won in a 61 yard walk off field goal by Greg Joseph. That'd be a very entertaining matchup. And finally, you have the Buccaneers. Uh, taking on the Cowboys. The rating that game will get will be astronomical. Tom Brady versus the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. I'm just telling you right now. (laughs) Cowboys better hope for an Eagles loss. They better hope for an Eagles loss to try and avoid Tom Brady. They don't want to see that man. It's the baddest man in the NFL. It's the baddest man in NFL history. They don't want to see Tom Brady. A few comments here before we get out of here. Patrick Brown, Green Bay will have a little letdown early coming off a big win over Minnesota. Detroit has their coach. Just have to keep the continuity moving forward. Definitely, the Detroit has found their head coach. And I could see Detroit get off to a hot start. It, I think the hot start for Detroit will be... I think it'll have a lot to do with whether or not they know that, that they still have a shot to make the playoffs. Like, if they know the Seahawks lost, they'll be like, hey, if we win, we're in. If the Seahawks win, they'll know their season's over. But I still think, nevertheless, it's going to be a close game because they always play hard for Dan Campbell. Grady asked, do you actually think Baker is a shot to be the future of the Rams? He's, seems like some fishy stuff going on with Stafford. I had read reports that there were rumors about him possibly retiring. Uh, he dispelled those rumors a couple weeks back, saying he's coming back for his 15th season in the NFL. I know there's a lot of concern among with him, his wife, his family, about the concussions sort of racking up, which is understandable. But from what I'm reading, he's back. Now, I will say this, Grady. If I'm the Rams, I'd absolutely bring Baker Mayfield back as my backup. He's played solid in some games. And I'm not a Baker fan. uh, Grady, I know you're higher on Baker than I am. I've never been a Baker guy. Dude's done enough to be, you know, to stick with the Rams uh, as their backup quarterback. Now, to be their future, I don't know. The standard for the Rams at this point is winning Super Bowls because they just did it a couple weeks back. They made the Super Bowl a few years before that. The standard for the Rams is not just getting the playoffs, but winning playoff games, plural. I don't think Baker's the guy to do that. Uh, I think had Baker Mayfield had been on the roster last year for the Rams, they, their season probably would have ended in, in the divisional round against the Bucks, as opposed to winning the Super Bowl against the Bengals. That that's that's my personal opinion. That's what I think. Grady asked uh, a question that is uh, worth asking many times on the show. How about them Cowboys?
0: How about them Cowboys? Yeah!
1: Said by the great Jimmy Johnson back in the nineteen nineties. Uh yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I think they'll win, but they better not face Tom Brady. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, Grady, I agree with the statement right here. He says Tampa can be anyone except San Francisco, uh, in his opinion. I agree. San Francisco is the one team in the NFC that outside of Brock Purdy, I don't have any questions about them. I don't have any questions about Kyle Shanahan. He's got to the Super Bowl Jimmy Garoppolo. He's gotten to the NFC Championship game with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Garoppolo. Don't love him. He's not good in the playoffs. Devo Samuels, by the way, coming back. I forgot to mention that. Devo Samuels coming back this week for the Niners. Again, they're in their huge game against the Cardinals. So he'll be ready to go for the playoffs. George Kittle, all those weapons. Like you, Jennings. Nick Bosa, defensively. Fred Warner. Hufunga, my man, in the secondary. Yeah. It's, the Niners are dangerous. The Tampa Bay? Lack of playoff experience everywhere else or the limitations in regards to either the roster or the coach everywhere else. Yeah, Tampa Bay can absolutely get to the Super Bowl should they avoid the Niners. I, I agree with you, Grady. Uh, Grady asks, is that R2-D2 in your top shelf? It is. Yeah, there you go. It's a, It's actually a drone that uh, we got to create at uh, Walt Disney World a, a year back, a couple of no, a year about a year and a half ago, we went to do Di- because yeah, we went to Tampa Bay to see the opening night game between Bucks and Cowboys, which was a great game by the way. And then we got to go to Disney World at uh, Galaxy's Edge at Disney's Hollywood Studios and build a droid. I forgot what my sister's looks like. I haven't seen it in a minute, but yeah, that's that's my droid right there. Just looking over at the whole world, watching carving it up. Appreciate him. I'm I'm a Disney World freak. You guys, you, if you guys know if you guys know anything about me, you guys know that I'm a a obsessed. I'm obsessed with three things: sports, presidential history, history, and Disney World. Uh, I, I'm not going to apologize for it. That's just it's just the way it is. Uh so there we go. Uh, do we have any breaking stories? Okay, just making sure. We I had some tweets on there from some reporters. See if there was anything going on. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. It's for such a good weekend. Two games tomorrow, 14 on Sunday to decide who's in the playoffs and who's not. I cannot wait to see how it materializes. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Uh, Continue to stay safe out there. Also, by by the way, forgot to mention, be sure to like, share, comment. Hit that big red subscribe button to the Carving It Up podcast YouTube channel. And also be sure to hit that notification bell. Get notified anytime we upload a video, a YouTube short. Anytime we go live on the show on Monday, Thursday, Thursday, and Friday. And also be sure to subscribe to the GRID Podcast Network. That is right, the GRID, G-R-Y-D Network, on YouTube. It's where you can find my show, Carving It Up. Patrick Brown, you saw him in the comments, the Chaotic Sports Podcast. The co-founder of the GRID, Barry Grant Jr., the All-Even Podcast. You've got Ryan Flowers, who was on the show yesterday and was great. Clutch Sports Talk. Alpha Parsar Jr., the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast. The Cowboys Can Fan Podcast. Amazing content out there for you guys to go check out on the grid. So be sure to subscribe. That is also where you can find my show. On uh, you can find you can listen to Carving It Up Live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. We are in for an incredible weekend of sports, of football in particular. Hold your breath. Here we go. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical and your mental health. God bless you all. Peace out. Here we Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live.
0: Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club